You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. The Taliban's return to power has raised fears about the hard-won rights for Afghan women and girls over the last two decades. In this episode, Senator Jean Shaheen, a senior member of the Senate Armed Services and Foreign Relations Committees, and Najla Ayubi, Chief of Global Programs at Every Woman Treaty and a former Afghan judge, join Washington Post Live to discuss the future for women in the country. Let's listen. Hello and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Frances Steed Sellers, a senior writer here at The Post. We're going to be talking today about a timely topic, the future for women in Afghanistan. And I'm delighted to welcome two guests to share their perspectives. Senator Jean Shaheen and Judge Najla Ayubi, Chief of Coalition and Global Programs at Every Woman Treaty. Senator Shaheen and Judge Najla, a very warm welcome to Washington Post Live. Nice to be with you. Thank you. Senator Shaheen, I'd like to start um, with asking you, uh, Senator Biden yesterday declared victory, saying that the withdrawal had been an enormous success. Do you agree with his assessment? Well, I think the last few weeks have been an opportunity to get out over 120,000 people from Afghanistan. That was more than I thought we were going to be able to do. Obviously, we didn't get everyone out who I think needs to be out. There were some people on our list who we were working with, so they were not able to make it out. So there is unfinished work to be done, and I hope we will all stay committed to ensuring that anybody who wants to leave Afghanistan, whether it's a special immigrant visa applicant, whether it's women who are threatened, women and girls who are threatened, or other groups that we will continue to work to see that they can leave the country. And Senator, have you spoken to the president since the withdrawal? And if so, you have this ongoing concern about women's welfare. What are your assurances going ahead that your messages that you've been putting out for some years now are being listened to? I have not had a chance to speak with President Biden, and I don't know that we have any assurances that our messages are being listened to. Um, As you point out, this is something that I've been talking about for a number of years, particularly when the prior Trump administration was negotiating with the Taliban. I raised concerns with former Secretary Pompeo, with uh, Ambassador Khalilzad that women were not represented at the table, despite the fact that we have legislation on the books signed by former President Trump that says in conflict areas, women should be at the negotiating table when we are negotiating the end to the dispute. And those messages fell on deaf ears. So now we are dealing with a situation where women and girls were not represented at the table and there are no assurances for them going forward. Thank you. Judge Najla, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what's going on the ground. I understand you've been in touch with people from your the country you left in 2015. What are you hearing? Um, thank you. Yes, it's uh, devastating um, stories coming out. Uh, particularly, I'm hearing from, I'm uh, daily, almost 24 hours in touch with uh, many of my fellow activists on the ground in Afghanistan. 
which many of them is still on hiding, changing their locations, but there is no way, uh, as Senator Shaheen mentioned, that there's no way for them to get out. Um, also, I think I already mentioned in other, um, uh, my other, uh, from the beginning of the changes of the government uh, in Afghanistan, that lots of students coming, really chilling students um, uh, for the common women, uh, uh, women and girls in Afghanistan, that there is no only Taliban that they are fighting in Afghanistan, but also others are coming, extremists coming, and they are actually have been told that they will be given Afghan women uh, as a property. And also uh, women and girls were forced to be married, families were forced to marry their daughters to Taliban. Women put on fire because of the bad cooking, but at the same time, stories post-withdrawal uh, is also coming that violence against women have been increased even among the educated women because they lost the income and they have been dependent to the main family members, as well as the uh, most of the criminals have been released by the Taliban when they came into power. Many of them have been criminals, uh, particularly on violence against women. And now they are after the people who, uh, after the survivors and after the victims, and as well as after the people who helped them. Uh, uh, as part of the revenge. Uh, depression, helplessness, um, uh, hopelessness, and also fear is very high, particularly among the uh, women's rights activists. Uh, child marriage, even from my previous experience, being uh, uh, lived under the rule of Taliban. Now the increase of the early in child marriage and forced marriage because of the families want their daughters to be someone else's uh, responsibility because they cannot provide them, uh, they cannot afford to keep them safe and also feed them. Um, also, I a lot of concern right now, uh, just this morning, I heard that uh, several uh, women workers in one of the provinces, I don't want it to name because I don't want it to put these women in, in um, uh, further in, in, in at risk, but they have been told that they shouldn't be uh, showing up tomorrow at work because uh, they will be sent home uh, by fit by foot because uh, uh, they, they are traveling actually, but they will be sent home. So means that there are uh, lots of students coming. Uh, and uh, also uh, I have a huge concerns of uh, about the uh, women's, uh, women's and girls education and work and also freedom of movement because uh, now the, the fear is very high. And uh, unfortunately there is no uh, proper solutions and as, uh, uh, Senator Shaheen mentioned that we, unfortunately, we had not enough women on the negotiation table and on, on the peace talks to be bringing the women interest in girls' interest. Uh, Judge Marsh, I have one quick question to add this before I go back to Senator Shaheen, but do you see any positive signs that the Taliban has changed? Um, you know, we have to just, uh, we have to distinguish between the Taliban in Kabul and also the Taliban out of Kabul. So in Kabul, probably we see some of the, uh, I'm not saying positive sign, but these are the, how the, their PR is working, how they work and to show to the international community. But at the same time, uh, on, the, on the ground, yes, unfortunately, these chilling stories are coming, we hear from, from the provinces. And at the same time, I think that's also another piece that I wanted to add, that they wanted to, uh, they ask, they are saying that the women will be allowed to uh, to go and study and also uh, to be work uh, based on the uh, uh, Islamic law permit. 
But unfortunately, we don't know which Islamic law permits, which Sharia law permits. This is the actual one or this is the Taliban mm-hmm. version. That's the, the, that's the piece that's really concerning me. So, Senator Sheen, if you could help us step back a, a little bit. Um, funding has been frozen from the U.S., from the World Bank, from the IMF for, for COVID um, right now. Does this mean that there's a moment of leverage? Um, what's the U.S. rescue plan, if there is one, and do women fit into that? Well, I hope so. I think that's part of what we need to do is to assure that any economic assistance, humanitarian assistance, as we're looking at diplomatic recognition, that that is all conditioned on what we see from the Taliban and how they treat not just women and girls, but other minorities in the country and what they're doing about human rights and um, just basic necessities that people in the country have. And as Judge Nalla has said, um, the reports that are coming out right now are very mixed. There's real concern. Um, we're, we're hearing that women are being told not to report to their jobs around the country. And the excuse that's being given is because of security reasons, they can't be protected. But it's not at all clear um, what that means and what that will mean going forward. It's not clear what the situation is with opening of schools and whether um, girls are going to be allowed to go to primary and secondary schools, but also to universities. The Taliban has said that they will allow um, women and girls to go to university as long as they're separated from men. But again, as the judge says, that's all dependent upon Islamic law and what Islamic law they're talking about. So, Judge Najla, you've mentioned uh, some of the some of these other problems, and, and you touched on um, mental health concerns there. Could you talk about some of the broader challenges that women are facing on the ground now in this terribly insecure moment? Um, first of all, as uh, as I mentioned earlier, because I hear from my very strong activists on the ground, I'm not talking about the the general woman or uh, general woman population in Afghanistan, but uh, I'm hearing from my uh, fellow activists that they are depressed, they are helpless, uh, they are uh, they cannot help themselves, not only themselves but also but also they become dependent. That's also a kind of a way of uh, how they see themselves being uh, independent women, and all of a sudden entering to the situation where they have to be dependent to the male family members. Um, meanwhile, um, uh, I heard from some of my fellow judge judges. Uh, I was talking like two, three days ago. They say that they have been uh, showing up into the work, but unfortunately they have been told that we don't need you. Go home, um, we don't need you. You go home and you relax. And if we need you, we, we will call on you. So it means that this is a humiliation for the women uh, on the ground that they have been in power and they have been uh, providing the rule of law in the country. They were enforcement they were in, they were enforcing the laws in the country now they are the victim of being violated and um, i think those are the issues that really um, um, another piece that i'm hearing that the banks are closed uh, the, uh, the uh, unfortunately they don't have access to food or to uh, to healthcare services uh, i think these are the issues that it's important for the for not only the um, uh, americans to know but also the global community to know what what can be done from now on uh, to to help uh, 18 plus million women on the ground 
Senator Shaheen, I know you wrote a letter in uh, the middle of August and, and had some bipartisan support there expressing concern for uh, women activists in particular. And that may now, I guess, some of that may be moot. But do you see a moment now to get bipartisan support to continue putting pressure on the administration to advance the rights of women in any way they can going ahead? I do. I also think it's important, not just for the United States, but for the international community. We need to keep a focus on what's happening in Afghanistan. Um, you know, even such basic things as freedom of movement are being denied for women unless they have a male escort. So that's a clear return to what we saw when the Taliban were in control before um, 2001. So we, we should have real concerns about what the Taliban are doing right now, what their plans are in the future. And the, the leverage that we have is what's been discussed, economic assistance, humanitarian assistance, keeping a focus in the international community on what's happening in the country, and particularly how women and girls are being treated. So talking about the international community, there's obviously people seeking to uh, leave the country and immigration is gonna be a problem. Um, European countries I know are facing this. What prospects are there for people and women in particular seeking asylum? Well, I have been encouraged by the number of countries that have been willing to step up and provide a safe haven for um, people as they are being evacuated until they can be processed, who have been willing to say we can take a certain um, several thousand refugees, um, countries like Germany, North Macedonia, uh, Albania. Um, Qatar has been very helpful as we've been looking to evacuate people. So obviously we need to continue to work in the United States with our allies to ensure that that continues and to continue to process as many people through the visa process as we can so that we can get people resettled. It's not good enough to have them out of harm's way. We also need to see um, that they are someplace where they can reestablish themselves and become permanent members of the community. Judge Najla, in 2015, you left. I'd love to hear a little bit about your own story, why you chose to leave at that exact moment, and a little bit about um, resettling. Um, thank you, yes. Uh, 2015, actually, uh, I and my family have been a target for many years. I lost my father and my brother. Both have been assassinated because of being active in supporting women and women's rights uh, and women's education. Uh, so uh, that's one of the reasons uh, that, um, unfortunately, I was one of um, uh, one of the women's rights activists that have been always on the target list of the extremists in, in Taliban. And I have been receiving several times um, Dead call, uh, calls, threaten, uh, 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 calls, and as well as the uh, uh, death threats. Uh, even the the form and the type of the the, the attack that it, it had to be uh, carried out against me was also provided by our uh, by by uh, some security for, uh, security um, uh, offices in the country. So I was hiding for around five to six months here and there, and then I had to come to the United States uh, because uh, this was, uh, actually I came to stay for a few months until the dust will settle and then go back because I, uh, I uh, violence against women and working on, uh, on women's issues as my life work. Uh, I wanted to go back, but unfortunately the, 
the threats is still there and I couldn't go back. But still in the past six years, I'm just waiting for my first interview to be done. Uh, even being in the country that uh, has a, a, a very highly developed country, but unfortunately I'm, I'm on the waiting list uh, for my first interview to happen. So there is a lot of challenges, even if you go out um, and you are in a safe place physically, but mentally you are not safe because you live in a limbo, you live in a in a uh, uncertain situation. You don't know whether you will be accepted in third country or not, or in the second country or not. That's also another challenge that we human rights activists are facing. And I'm one of the examples that I have been facing uh, so many challenges uh, in the past six years, but still I'm I'm fighting and I'm not giving up. And I am I born to be I born a fighter. So uh, particularly for women's rights and, and never give up. Uh, but I wish uh, the people who are coming, uh, they have to be uh, a, a very a very thorough and very timely uh, um, uh, process for their cases that what I have gone through, they shouldn't be going through. So it was a very difficult, though I knew many organizations, many people in this country. I'm really, really grateful for the people and until I got to the Every Woman Treaty and I found my really community and, and people who work and we share the same vision for the global policy change, which definitely affects everyone, uh, every woman on our planet. Thank you. And thank you for your courage. Senator Shaheen, you have obviously visited Afghanistan. You've seen and been a, spent time with a generation of women who grew up without the Taliban. What do you think the hardest ch uh, things are going to be for them about this change that they're now facing? Oh, I think almost everything is going to be difficult. You know, I, I, I had a meeting. I was last in Afghanistan in 2019 before COVID, and I had a meeting with a number of women leaders there. And they were a very impressive group. I'm sure Judge Najla can speak to that. Um, but they said a couple of things that really impressed me. One um, woman talked about how she knew at some point they would need to work with the Taliban. And she was okay with that, even though um, they had threatened and killed members of her family. But she was willing to forgive as long as they were willing to be accepting of her and other women. And I think there would be an opportunity going forward if the Taliban actually were willing to stick to the kinds of statements that they have made in the last few days about changing, about accepting what has happened over the last 20 years in Afghanistan. Of course, it's not at all clear that that's the case. Um, one of the other things these women said to me and have repeated in recent months after President Biden announced the decision to withdraw was to make sure that those of us who are concerned about what's happening in the country are speaking out about that, that we're using every form that we have available, that um, they wanna see the president talk about it. They wanna see the secretary of state talk about it. They wanna see other elected officials who have a platform who can help hold the world community's focus on what's happening there um, to ensure that um, they are not forgotten and that there is every effort made possible to provide um, 
futures that have opportunities, the kinds of opportunities they were hoping for before the Taliban retook the country. You uh, also brought the Women's Security Act, um, Senator Shaheen. Um, it, it makes um, women's role in negotiations, conflict and peace negotiations so important. Um, tell us where the future of that lies, what you're going to be doing, and also you're speaking out. You, you wrote an op-ed in May saying that we cannot afford to give up two decades of uh, advantage for or advancements for women. Tell us how you're speaking out, what you're doing legislatively, what the next steps for you are. Well, first of all, I, I want to point out, and I'm sure we would all agree with this, that ensuring that women have those opportunities that human rights are protected for women isn't just about doing the right thing. It's also about doing what's in the best interest of families, of communities, and of countries. We know countries that have empowered women are countries that are doing better economically because we know that women, more so than men, much more so than men, and we have data that shows this, are more likely to give back to their families. Whatever money they earn goes back to their families, it goes back to their communities. And that's good for communities, it's good for countries. And so this is not just about doing what's right, it's doing about what's important for uh, the future of Afghanistan and other countries where women have not been empowered. And we know that data shows that when women are at the table and negotiating it into conflict, that those negotiations last longer, 35% longer. We have data that shows that. So this is about doing what's in the interest of the world community. And um, what I've been doing to try and ensure that we continue to support the Women, Peace and Security Act is to ensure that we have funding for those um, gender um, roles that are working with our State Department, with our Department of Defense to be embedded in areas where we are working around the world because we know that this is good for everybody. It's good for the communities and it's ultimately good for America because it's in our interest and in international interest to see peace, to see women who are empowered around the world. And That's it's interesting. Sure. It's going to be very interesting to see where what the Taliban do when they lose 50% of the brain power of their country. Um, right. How far they're going to go if they refuse to allow women in the country to have rights to work, to have advancement. And I would love to follow up with a question from Judge Najla about the men whose wives have been working and the children who've grown up with mothers who've been educated, what role do you think they can play or are they beginning to play going ahead now? Um, sorry, can you repeat your question? Yes, of course. I wanted to ask you about the men whose wives have been educated and the boys who have grown up with mothers who've been educated and have a, a very different role models from when you were growing up. What role do you think those men and boys can play going ahead now? Um, one thing that is important because uh, the, uh, uh, the important part is that the men are, the change in the mindsets of the men and boys are uh, happening. Uh, we have the data that it shows that the changes in the mindsets of the men happening between the age of nine to 22. So it means that if we don't have, if we provide the prevention education, 
on whiteness against women and girls uh, through this uh, through the different uh, different communities and through different platforms i think that's that's something that can help the uh, unfortunately if we were doing this before uh, we were not ending up to having a uh, these extremist groups uh, dipping uh, root into the country where the women have to pay the price. But yes, the role models uh, I can see in my family. Uh, we are uh, uh, a family of four sisters and two brothers, and we have been educated, all of us. And I see my nephews and nieces, they are really looking up to their mothers and, and, and fathers because they see them equal. So from now on, I feel that the educated men and boys that they are still in Afghanistan, they could really help the the following the, the current generation and the future generation to help them understand how the importance is the uh, woman participation in the society and woman role in building the society in bringing the uh, welfare, uh, bringing the prosperity in in in, uh, in in peace in the country. So that's my my point. And also um, another piece that unfortunately the uh, girls dream have been abandoned right now that 3.5 million girls were enrolled into the uh, into the um, uh, system. But unfortunately their dreams have been taken and abandoned right now. So how these um, families and men and, and, and fathers and brothers can help them even my experience under the Taliban, we were having underground uh, uh, underground schools and we were teaching the boys and, and girls at the same time. So this can be another aspect, but uh, we really need, these are unfortunately we cannot solve one by one cases. We have to, we have to do a universal uh, system change that it will respect men and women at the same time. And at the same time, uh, I would really recommend and urge international community to please, first of all, pay attention to these women's rights activists that they are stuck in the country and, and at the same time with their families. And unfortunately, they don't have anything and anywhere to go and anywhere to turn to. So that's my point, basically. And I think um, many of these men and women also can help in the future to make sure that women participation is guaranteed. Well, thank you. Senator Sheen, I, I think this has to be my last question. I sort of want to make it a bipartite question and look in a very focused way on the last 48 hours and then talk about the last 20 years. But the last 48 hours have been such a whirlwind. Have you any specific concerns or hopes that come out of this last two days? And then looking back over the past 20 years, are there benefits that have come from this 20 year involvement in Afghanistan that you see going ahead? particularly with women in mind? Well, certainly over the last couple of days, there are people that we worked hard to try and see if we could get them out who did not make it out. And so I'm concerned that we continue to work through the State Department, through um, whatever avenues are available to try and ensure that those people who still wanna get out of Afghanistan are able to do that. Um, over the long term, now, the mission, we originally went into Afghanistan to try and um, prevent the freedom of terrorist groups to operate and attack the United States. I think most people would agree that um, that um, mission has been accomplished, at least for the last 20 years. And there were a number of other benefits for people in Afghanistan that happened because of the United States and 
other NATO countries' involvement, um, healthcare, um, the school system, um, the ability of women and girls to pursue their dreams and opportunities, um, the success of so many men in Afghanistan because of that support from the women in their lives. So uh, I think most of the people from the United States who have served in Afghanistan, whether it was on the civilian side or on the military side, feel good about the efforts that they made in the country and feel sad that they're, all of those efforts over the last 20 years are now threatened. Judge Najla and Sanjula, thank you both very much for joining me today. Judge Najla for sharing those intimate insights and Senator Shaheen for putting them on a national and global stage. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's all we have time for. Thank you so much for joining me on Washington Post Live. Check out WashingtonPostLive.com for future programming. I'm Francis D. Sellers, and thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.